You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Not too bad. Pretty good. Pretty good. Excellent. Keeping Spring well. is in the air. I, Although, it was a beautiful I, weekend. I must say, for the second time in about three weeks, I missed my recycling day just because I've lost oh. track of the amount of days that have gone past in the week and it's It's, just yeah it's hard to keep track (laughs) you know it's hard to keep track of the days i guess you have shows that you know are on particular days mine is i'm not that scheduled so (laughs) i you're ahead of me with that i know that tuesdays we're recording and then the rest is just sort of filling in you know i'm doing this program and this and that and so there are days when i I look up and i think is it saturday is it wednesday yeah yeah it's uh, thankfully my job allows me to keep track of what day it is for the most part except when it comes to my except when it comes to my garbage garbage. selective thinking that's on purpose (laughs) i suppose so until until you look outside in the morning and you're like oh right i missed my window that's all right then it's a sign of the times it's a sign of the times not to worry it's it's um here well we've got we've got you know my daughter's doing really well with her schedule and i've got another daughter doing her thing and my husband is back and forth to his office so it kind of leaves me here sort of floating around from place to place trying to like right now i'm recording in my bedroom so i land here because it's the quietest place in the house but you know Mm -hmm. we all we all accommodate and uh, I, i think that we just have to give ourselves, you know, a little bit of pat on the back and cut ourselves some slack because, you know, we've been thrown into a new normal so fast. I think, you know, honestly, everyone's adjusting really well. I I think so too. You know, I'm proud of people. I think, you know, when I'm looking at things and some great shows on and people coming together, it uh, makes me proud. It is very uh, um, great that we're able to, to connect this way, you know, um, just, Thinking back, um, you know, COVID-19 has really put things in perspective for me uh, in terms of, for me, it's like I'm I'm used to being able to do things on the go and exactly when I want to do it and how I want to do it. But then this has really given me that step back approach of being patient and that things happen as they happen, right? So... There will definitely, when we we look back, you're right, when we look back, I think that there are going to be a lot of silver linings to this. Um, We've had to adapt, but we have adapted, and uh, I think it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, we should, I I have this great, great idea of a a topic for you and I to talk about, something kind of uplifting and happy-ish when it comes to this. Uh, But first, actually, let me say that today's show is obviously taped. Um, so no call in, but if you want to follow us, please do on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the health hub RMC on all three or, or, and feel free to email us at THH at radiomaria.ca. If you have any questions, if you want any follow-ups with our guest, um, today's guest is outstanding. I think you're really going to really enjoy the conversation and learn quite a bit from Dr. Lee, but I, I know that I've learned a lot over this last month. And mm. I'm wondering if, if you have too. like, for instance, you know, I've learned a lot. I, you know, I don't really mean to go down a philosophical road, but I've learned a lot, like practically, like uh, if you hang toilet paper where it comes from on top instead of under the bottom, you don't waste as much. Never thought of that before, never really cared. But, you know, as we're getting down to our last rolls of toilet paper and A, you know, it's not still not on the shelves as much. 
And uh, although it's, it's there, you know, when I need it. And I don't go to the store as often. So it's just, you know, at the beginning of this, we were trying to figure out ways, like what happens if we run out of toilet And I found that out. So it, that was one funny thing. Have you learned anything practically, philosophically from these last few weeks? Well, if anything, uh, I've learned that I like to bake and cook even more. You and everybody else. That's yeah. one of the things. That, yeah. No flour on the, on the counter, on the shelves. Holy smoke. Um, I'll tell you, uh, I just recently, I just recently made some banana bread and that lasted just like two days. <laughs> I just instantly, instantly enjoyed it. And uh, one of the things that I, 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 I bought from the store a couple of weeks ago, uh, Rice Krispie Squares. And I thought, hmm, why not just get some marshmallows and do it myself? So I've got everything ready in terms of I bought the Rice Krispies and I've got the marshmallows, everything. Now I just need to find, find the time before I, before I get to the bottom, bottom of my uh, box in terms cereal of bowl, my yeah. cereal bowl. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm tending now to eat the Rice Krispies as a cereal instead of the real purpose. So I'm going to try and figure, figure that out. You're packing on the uh, COVID-15 there, Alex? <laughs> oh, that's so true. Yeah, the amount yeah. of exercise that I need to do too right now, I'm telling you. <laughs> I know, you know, I, yeah. that's a similar in our house. I found out that my kids can cook. Actually, I posted a picture yeah. of my son made his first banana bread. And that was yeah. great. Um, my kids know where the vacuum is. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, it that's is nice. nice. But, you know, seriously, on, on, a, on another note, I, I enjoy having my duckies at home. I, I like having the kids at home. Yeah. Um, you know, all the jokes that went around when this first started of, you know, who was going to, who was going to tap out first. Uh, it's, it's nice. It's, it's going to be a time that I'm going to miss in some regards. I mean, I do miss, uh, you know, a number of things obviously as we all do, but, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I do like having my kids at home and you know what? Um, Oh, the other, I was just thinking of all the things that uh, when I thought about talking about this, so many things came to, I know I'm not ready to be gray, Mm. I have gone to all lengths to try and figure out how to cover it. So I do miss my hairdresser more than probably anybody at this point. So I, I, I do know that. Um, I found that out. But you know what? I'm really proud to um, really proud to be Canadian. And I, I have learned that there's no other place on this earth that I would rather live. I think that we have done such an amazing um, job with this. It's not perfect. Yeah. But you know what is perfect? I just... I just think that everyone has come together um, so yeah. well. I'm our just proud from top down of everybody. Our first Canadians responders well. and Canadians have, have, done a, have done a wonderful job of being, I think, re- respectful and mindful. And yep. uh, it's really brought out the true meaning of being Canadian, right? I think is, it has. And Canadians have been on point. They've been doing what they need to do to protect those who are vulnerable. And, um, and this time of uncertainty, we're going to look back, we're going to be a major part of history. And um, we're going to come out looking great. I'm, I'm just really proud. So kudos to everybody who's staying at home and doing what we need to do in these uncertain times. And this is actually a perfect segue into our guest, um, Dr. William Lee. He is I listened to Dr. Lee, his TED Talk, um, and this is what first brought me to to the attention of him. He's an outstanding uh, researcher and doctor. I'll give you a bio in a second. But uh, in talking with him a couple of times, he's uh, a wonderful individual. And you will listen to him and hear that he is coming from such a solid place when we start talking about covid because I, I think, um, and the reason why I want to have him had wanted to have him on the show is because, we need, we need truth. And people are getting to this point of being locked up where, you know, the mind is starting to wander and mm-hmm. questions are being posed. And, you know, what if, is this really that, you know, and all these questions are coming up and it's, it's, there, it's not wrong to ask these questions. But I think that through all this, we need a voice of knowledge, someone that we, we can trust. And I think Dr. Lee fits the bill. Um, Dr. William Lee is a renowned uh, speaker, physician, scientist, and author of the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and Amazon bestseller, Eat to Beat Disease. 
As CEO and president of the Global Nonprofit Angiogenesis Foundation, Dr. Lee's work has impacted more than 50 million people worldwide and has led to the effective prevention, novel treatment, and even reversal of disease spanning cancer, chronic wounds, obesity, heart disease, diabetes, and vision loss. An internationally sought-after speaker, Dr. Lee is among an exclusive group of global change makers who have been selected to address the Vatican at its Cellular Horizons and Unite to Cure conferences aimed at improving global health. Dr. Lee has captivated and inspired audiences at Fortune 100 companies, the National Institute of Health, the Milken Institute, and numerous academic government corporate, clinical, and general public audiences around the world. His TED Talk, Can We Eat to Starve Cancer, is considered one of the most riveting talks of all time and has been viewed by more than 11 million people. I'm so proud that he accepted my request to be on the show and I'm humbled that he is with us. And I do really hope that you get as much from this interview as I did. We're going to talk about a number of things, including why COVID-19 is so different from other viruses, how we can take steps to protect ourselves from COVID-19, and what is needed to defeat this virus. So I hope you stay uh, with us. This is a wonderful interview with Dr. Lee, and we will be back right after this short break. I woke up in darkness Surrounded by silence So where Where have I gone? I woke to reality Losing its grip on me Oh where Where have I gone? I can see the light Before I see the sunrise You called and you shouted Broke through my deafness Now I'm breathing and breathing out I'm alive again You shattered Searched for you What took me so long I was looking outside As if love would ever want to hide I'm finding I was wrong Cause I can feel
to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As you know, this show is being taped, so no opportunity to call in and talk to Dr. Lee. But um, please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all of those platforms. And do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca if you have any questions about this interview or anything else. Dr. Lee, I don't want to take up too much time because I'm so grateful that you're on the show with us. And I have so many questions that I just want to get straight to it. So welcome to our show. Well, thank you, Kathy. It's a pleasure to be uh, back and uh, love to talk to you about uh, what's going on. Great. So let's, we're going to just dive into COVID because this is the, the topic that people are most curious about. What are you doing with respect to research on the COVID virus? Right. Well, so I'm an internal medicine doctor, but also a research scientist. And my, my background in research is really um, on blood vessels. And it turns out that COVID actually is a blood vessel disease. We um, know it affects the lungs. We know that it actually affects the whole body. So one of the clues that we're beginning to come to, and by the way, as an internal medicine doctor, um, you know, I'm fully trained to be involved with intensive care unit training or or, or management, or also emergency room management. So, you know, the the in the trenches situation is something I'm quite familiar with. The thing that I'm bringing to the table, though, is really being able to do that deep dive on the research side to understand what's actually happening. Why is this virus causing all these problems? And so that's what I'm really interested in. People who are super sick, including people that might not make it, what actually happened? What's happening at the very end? And then can we, by understanding that, can we then turn the clock back and look at what happens at earlier stages all the way to the point of prevention? And as you know, I'm, I'm somebody that has a, is a big proponent of, of prevention because ultimately what we want to do is prevent sickness so we don't have to treat it. So this virus, I mean, we've never seen anything like this in our time. What makes this virus so profoundly different from anything else that we have been in contact with? Right. Well, so look, uh, as humans on planet Earth, we are surrounded by organisms, bacteria, viruses, fungi. I mean, you know, the things that we can't see all around us, we're, we're, what's the, the air is swarming with stuff. But over, you know, the last 200,000 years, you know, um, essentially living organisms have gotten used to having these types of germs, as we call them, um, colloquially, uh, around us. And so our bodies kind of adapt to them, right? That's why dogs don't get sick all the time. Cats don't get sick all the time. Gorillas don't get sick all the time. And humans don't get sick all the time because we're used to it. What's new about COVID-19 is the fact that it's, it hasn't been seen before by humans. So mm -hmm. that's what we call novel coronavirus. It's a, by the way, you know, uh, coronavirus, virus is the same kind of virus that a cold comes from. So COVID-19 is closer to a cold than it is to a flu. The influenza flu is caused by the influenza virus. Colds are caused by the coronavirus. Think about COVID-19 like a super, super dangerous cold that can actually kill. And, and then, so when you hear that they're this, that, you know, it, it's the same, they're, they're not even related actually. So that's an important point because we do have vaccine for the flu we don't really have vaccines for the cold. And that's going to be one of the challenges that, that lie ahead is how are we going to develop a vaccine for a group of viruses that we don't actually, we've never developed a vaccine for. So I've never heard that. Of all the information and all of the news that's coming, I've never heard that it's more related to a cold than the flu. Because what we're seeing now, and I think this is probably human nature, we've been locked down. And I think now, you know, we're starting to see demonstrations. We're starting to see people push back. And I, I think what's important is that we need to, to split apart the fake news from the real news. And, you know, we're seeing comparisons with SARS. We're seeing comparisons to the influenza. But we're not, I have never heard it being compared to a cold. So is this a type, this is a virus. Is this a type of virus that the immune system can fight off. You know, we're seeing all these things about protect your immune system, strengthen your immune system, and then we're seeing other doctors saying it's not the immune system that's the issue here. What 
give us the best scenario for fighting off this disease. Right. The best scenario for fighting off this disease is going to be a vaccine, which there are people developing vaccines. It takes time to develop a vaccine. Think about vaccine like making a cake. You know, you just can't um, throw a bunch of ingredients together and and ta-da, it's ready. You got to mix it. You got to let it rise. You got to put it in the oven. And that's basically what this kind of, this excruciating time that we're waiting for is to figure out, is to sort of wait for the vaccine. Cow on the hill to help save us because, like smallpox, like typhoid, like polio, when we actually have a vaccine, everybody's going to breathe a, a vaccine that works. We're going to, we're going to, everybody's going to breathe a, a huge sigh of relief. That's going to be a while because it just takes time. You know, they talk about you know twelve to eighteen months. Um, you know, the world speed record for developing vaccines is longer than that. So we have to beat you know human uh, uh, records in order to be able to have this, the vaccine sooner than later. But the vaccine is, number one, the, 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 the most definitive way out. The second thing that's going to make us feel more comfortable is when we find effective treatments. And, <clears throat> you know, you, you hear about these uh, all kinds of drugs that are out there. Um, and it's hard to know um, when you talk about fake news. You know, there's one thing worse than fake news, which is partially true news. Mm-hmm. So, because um, if it's fake, you could just throw it away. But if it's partially um, uh, true, then, you know, like you don't know how to separate the parts that might be real versus the parts that are, uh, that are false. And I w- what I would kind of encourage your listeners to know is that, you know, there are well over 900 clinical trials of going on. These are human tests looking at different ways to tackle um, the COVID-19 virus using different types of medicines, including vaccines, drugs, New drugs, old drugs. I mean, we are diving at this thing like never before in human history. One of these 900 tests, and probably more than one, is going to come, fo- is going to come through for us. And we'll find something that's going to help stop this thing in its tracks and prevent us from actually getting super sick. Um, one, of the interesting, one of the important things for people to realize, though, is that um, rather than actually get simply have a cure, we're probably, just like cancer, not going to find a magic bullet. <clears throat> there's not going to be no penicillin that's going to knock this thing out. It's probably, this is a complicated virus, complicated infection. It's probably going to be a whole bunch of different things that we're going to combine together. So we have to have a little bit of patience while that is actually all coming together. But the best treatment, the best way to deal, the optimal solution is to avoid getting infected in the first place. Where does that leave us? Staying in our homes? Well, so that's what's interesting, right? Um, right now, we are kind of what I say medieval in our approach. Yes. Um, you know, if you compare this to the plague of the Middle Ages, you know, what did people do back then? They ran and hid inside their stone houses, huddled together, waiting for the town crier to say it's safe to go back out into the square again. It's kind of like what we're doing right now. We're not that different. We're, 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 and I think this is, this is the reality we need to realize. We cannot hide forever. We have to be able to move forward to be able to regain our lives. And that's what everybody wants to know is when can we get back to you know, um, our lives again? And I think this is where this testing thing comes into play. Because, um, number one, not everybody who gets infected gets sick. Not everybody who gets sick dies. Okay? Many people actually get infected and actually are perfectly fine, or they might get a little sick, and they just kind of bounce back to health. And, you know, and that's kind of like where it's like a cold, right? And most people, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to catch a cold. Most people don't get seriously ill. Some people actually do. And what we want to be able to do is to um, prevent people that are most vulnerable from actually getting uh, uh, sick and, 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 and doing really poorly. So testing allows us to know who's infected and who needs to be kind of moved to a safe place so that they can get over their sickness in um, securely and be supported. And that will prevent other people from actually being coming exposed to that sick person. So that's the whole idea of quarantining, um, separating the people who need more attention from the people who are um, not, who are not infected. That requires testing. Uh, when we have adequate testing and we've got a system in place to be able to manage that. And Germany is a great 
example of a country. Germany and South Korea are examples of great countries that countries that have great systems that, that have been put into place or are being put into place. And I think we're, we're a, we're a um, global society now, humans are. We should look to our neighbors and, and, our, and, and people that, you know, our fellow humans to see who's got a system in place that we can emulate and we can try to put, we can try to, um, put to work uh, in our own communities. So testing, infrastructure, being able to take care of people who have been infected and moving them into a safe place so that they can recover safely and prevent other people from getting sick. And, uh, and then we need treatments, and lots of treatments are being tested, and sooner or later we'll find one or more. And then the vaccine. All this is actually happening in the background. So while everybody is, you know, you know, these are the messages that need to be sent out is that there are things that are actually happening that people can feel confident that progress is being made. It's never fast enough, but, you know, but, but the medical community is working on it. And there's a whole group and, you know, we've had a discussion, a short discussion. It's so hard to know how to look at this thing clearly because we can definitely see the pattern here in Canada. It's, it's, you know, the va- not the vast majority, a large sector, of course, is in the old age homes that have been greatly in- impacted here. And then you have the ones that have recovered. And then there are those of us, I don't know if I have been exposed, if I, if I have immunity to it, and then we don't know if immunity is actually an issue. And we're, we're at home here. What is our next step? Like, are we going to all be tested? And, you know, you've got this whole thing about a vaccine coming, and I know people are starting to get up in arms because I was just reading an article today. In Canada, half the people don't think that mandatory vaccines are ethical or should be mandated to, to, to us. So we've got a lot of issues going on here, and a lot of us are, don't know which way to move. Right. Well, okay. So this thing gets back to something really basic about not getting infected. And if we ha- all had really good immune systems, so here, actually, with good immune systems, we're probably not going to get sick, even when we get infected. So here's, how, here's what we know about how this virus works. This is a respiratory virus, which means it gets transmitted by air. We breathe it in in order to get infected. That's why actually wearing a mask is helpful because if we can breathe it in, we can breathe it out as well. Um, and it's in, in aerosolized particles. There was a new study that came out yesterday that showed that um, actually the particles, uh, the virus can be even ca- carried in air pollution over oh. large areas. And so um, the masks are definitely to keep other people safe, but probably to keep yourself safe as well. And if everybody wore a mask, we'd be protecting each other from each other and ourselves. And so it, it just, you know, I think that's one thing that's probably going to be here for, for a while. So I think we should get... <clears throat> used to a new fashion. <laughs> really? Okay. Um, uh, secondly, is that if we had a good, strong immune system, here's, we might be able to fight off the virus. When we breathe in a virus, where, how does it infect us? It goes in our nose, and it, and, it, and it attaches to the mucus in our nose. When you blow your nose, you're blowing out the mucus. That mucus is always in our nose and everybody, and just like a cold. <clears throat> and that's where it gets, starts to get into the body. And if you have a strong immune system, the, the war, the battle is fought right there in your nose. And if you've got a strong immune system, you could probably wipe out and get rid of the virus right there and then and kind of game over for the virus. You just keep on moving on with your life. If you, your immune system, which is why it's so important to have a strong immune system. If you have a weakened immune system, there's lots of reasons that people's immunities can go down. Um, diabetes, being elderly, um, having, uh, being on Medicaid, different kinds of medications, cancer patients, you know, um, who are being treated, uh, 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 being uh, overweight is also a risk factor, it looks like. Um, we're trying to, um, uh, there, there's lots of different factors that can actually lower immunity and malnutrition. You could be surrounded by food and not eating enough food, enough of the micronutrients to support your immune system. All those things weaken your immune system. If your immune system is weak, that virus will get into your nose and infect your nose. It'll start to make more of itself, right? That's how infections occur. And then the virus is sneaky. It'll actually go down your nose through your throat and go into your lungs. Okay. So think about if you were to, you know, choke on, you know, drinking some water. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the water going into your lung. That's like the virus going from, you know, your upper 
part of your um, uh, aerodigestive system, which is your mouth or nose, getting into your lungs. And then the virus, once it gets to your lungs, does something really sneaky. And this is what we're learning. It gets into your blood vessels. The lung is full of air sacs, like a, um, think about the um, uh, uh, bubble wrap, you know, the bubble wrap for packing. Mm-hmm. That's what the lung is like, filled with these little bubbles, which are the air that we breathe in. And around the bubbles are blood vessels that actually allow oxygen to get from the air bubble into your body. And, it, and then it removes and it takes the carbon dioxide so you can breathe it out. So we know we're beginning to find out the virus actually get those from the lung tissue, those air bubbles, into the blood vessels, and they inflate and it causes inflammation in the blood vessels. Still have a chance to fight it off there if you've got good immunity, but if you can't get rid of enough of the virus there, then you get into trouble. And that trouble occurs when the virus gets so uh, so um, uh, 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 it crowds out your lung. Basically, by growing so much, it becomes like this. It becomes like this rioting mass <clears throat> in your lungs, and it causes huge amounts of inflammation. And the inflammation that get people super, super sick, so sick they got to go to the hospital, so sick that they might need to be supported on a ventilator, artificial breathing, right? Um, <clears throat> that is um, a situation where it's the body trying to nuke the virus mm-hmm. to try to get rid of it. So you don't want to. We don't. Nobody should we should all try to avoid getting to that state. And that's where having good defenses up front, good immunity up front, right at the nose level, actually, is really important for us. And that's you know, another area that I'm studying is really you know, how, how can we use diet and food to actually help um, support our immunity. So our immune system is one of our body's five health defense systems that I wrote about in my book, Eat to Be Disease. And what we want to do is be able to use food to boost and bolster are shore up our defenses, and the immune system is one of the most important. Excellent. I think we're going to take a quick break here because then we can come back and start talking about nutrition and food, and it'll lead us right into a whole bunch of other questions I have for you. So, everybody, we will be back in a few minutes.
You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a fascinating conversation here with Dr. William Lee. Let's just get continue right on where we left off. We started talking about, and this is what actually, you know, your TED Talk fascinated me. Um, I, am, I work with cancer patients. I was a cancer patient myself, and I saw your TED Talk, and it just, it speaks to everybody, and it's not just a talk for cancer patients, for sure. Um, and it's all about the immunity. And I I think we've left off at a great spot and we're going to pick right up in that area. How do we build up our immune system to fight off this virus? Well, our immune system is something that even our grandmothers actually told us were important. So this is something that kids know. You've got to have strong immunity. You're not going to get sick. And, you know, the thing that everybody hears about as a kid is, you know, have your chicken soup or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, dress warmly. It turns out that we're all born with a super strong immune system because from the time, from the moment we actually exit mom's womb, we're exposed to this strange new world that's filled with bacteria and viruses. And so our immune system really goes to town right away. And what's interesting about the immune system that we're beginning to realize is that it is a defense system and it knows how to recognize the bad guys from the good guys. And and by that, I mean that there's good bacteria as well as bad bacteria, so good germs and bad germs. The good ones we now know um, are healthy gut bacteria, our microbiome that people might have heard about. They have. (laughs) They've heard lots about it. (laughs) Yeah. So when we're born, we actually um, uh, want to grow our microbiome in a healthy gut bacteria sort of way, which... By the way, our, our gut and, and our immune system are interconnected, which is how food and immunity get connected. So it turns out we've got about 39 trillion bacteria in our body. We have more, actually, slightly more um, bacteria than we have human cells. So it's like 37 trillion human cells, so it's one-to-one. We're kind of an ecosystem. Think about us like the Great Barrier Reef, okay? And we've got 39 trillion bacteria, um, and they all live, and most of them live uh, inside our gut. Our gut is like a um, is like a garden hose, a big one, and and at the at the tail end of the garden hose, which is sort of in our colons, that's where most of the gut bacteria are growing. And when I went to medical school, we were taught that the immune system was actually like in your spleen and your thymus and your lymph nodes and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Turns out that seventy percent of our immune systems in our gut. This is like how you know even for medicine, we're beginning to discover new things about ourselves. That's one wonderful thing I think about research is that we're learning new things about ourselves um, all the time. So think about your, uh, think about if you cut a um, garden hose in half and you look at it um, head on, it's got a, it's got a wall that's, that's the thickness of the hose. Now imagine if that hose was like a jelly roll and it was like a little layer of jelly inside that garden hose. If you cut open a jelly roll, um, it turns out that, and so think about the garden hose, the bacteria is inside the hose, and inside the wall, the jelly roll is your immune system, and that's where 70% of our immune system is actually inside the wall of our gut, our garden hose, and the bacteria, the good healthy gut bacteria, talk to the immune system and help the direct immune system to, to, to do what it's supposed to do, which is to protect us. What we eat um, can actually affect our gut bacteria, our microbiome, which then helps to, um, helps to enhance our immunity. So eating foods that are good for our gut bacteria, like fermented foods, um, uh, probiotic foods, uh, foods with fiber, um, dietary fiber, really help grow that good bacteria, which is good for our immunity. Now, we also know that there are some foods specifically that um, uh, help the immunity. So foods with vitamin C help the immune, immune system. Um, uh, there's plenty of vitamin C thing, uh, uh, foods like citrus fruits, um, strawberries. Most people don't know that guava, which is a delicious tropical food, is like super packed with vitamin C. Vitamin D is also important for the immune system, um, besides what you can get in milk, which, by the way, uh, most people don't may not know that vitamin D is, in, is fortified in milk, which means that before the milk is bottled and they screw the cap on, they squirt a little bit of vitamin D in it. 
Um, but where do you get natural vitamin D is in mushrooms. Mushrooms not only have fiber, but they also naturally have vitamin D. And I'm researching this now as well as myself. And it turns out that if you leave mushrooms out in the sunlight, kind of like on a kitchen counter with sunlight, that sunlight actually concentrates the vitamin D. So you can even get more um, if you leave the mushrooms out a little bit. It also concentrates their flavor, makes them taste a little bit better. Um, uh, zinc is another um, uh, uh, zinc is another good uh, uh, nutrient. So things like uh, spinach and you know leafy greens actually have that uh, that uh, 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 zinc. Uh, but then there's also these boosters. So the um, there's been human studies showing the berries, like blackberries and blueberries. Um, can actually enhance your immune system. Sprouts, like broccoli sprouts, um, actually can also amp up uh, your immune system. Um, certain uh, uh, drinks, like um, cranberry juice, increases the antibodies in our saliva, which are protecting us, in our mucous membranes too, like in our nose. Like I told you about the bacteria fighting us. Cranberry juice ha- actually helps to increase the soldiers that are patrolling in our mucous membrane, in our nose, which can be helpful as well. And pomegranate juice is also um, uh, really good for the gut bacteria, uh, helps the gut bacteria grow, the kind of gut bacteria that communicates with the immune system. And so there's a whole series of things that we can do at home every day. When we open it, when we get out of the kitchen, open up the fridge or take a look around, we are making um, mindful decisions of what we can actually do uh, to help support our immunity. And I encourage you know your listeners, when they're going to the grocery store, well, the market, you know, um, don't just get frozen food. Don't just get meat. You know, go to the produce section and look for some of these fresh um, items because they are likely the ones that are actually going to help contribute to our immunity. Um, and other things besides that, that, that your listeners can do that I want to really communicate is besides eating well, sleep. You know, mm-hmm. getting good sleep is super important for our immunity. Um, and our immune system, by the way, uh, operates even better um, at lower temperatures. So 67 degrees Fahrenheit is um, about the temperature that our immune system loves to have to be strong. Immune system is kind of rebooted at night. And so slightly cooler temperatures actually helps the immune system and, get, and good sleep um, helps the immune uh, system. Stress is bad for the immune system and physical activity actually helps to lower the feelings of stress. So think about it. The rules have been changed for being healthy. Move, sleep, and eat healthy. Oh, one last thing, last thing I, did, I did mention about eating, don't eat too much. Don't overindulge. Don't stuff yourself. Because it turns out that having slightly less calories actually helps your immune system uh, stay lean and mean, kind of ready to, ready to rock. Um, <clears throat> when you actually really flood the system with calories, immune system, like the rest of your body, kind of gets sluggish. And so, you know, trying to go for um, some caloric limitation, choosing plant-based foods, mostly fruits and vegetables, legumes, and nuts, feed your immune system, help your gut microbiome, which controls your immunity, getting enough sleep and getting exercise. These are some basic things that we don't need a vaccine to do. We don't need um, the doctor's prescription for. And any, any even... Um, even a few inches of protection that we can give ourselves um, is, is going to make a big difference if it actually keeps us well. I guess masks are going to be coming in vogue, like you said. Now, a couple of things. I mean, people are, and, and I'm, I'm in this uh, group as well. I mean, I've had trouble sleeping. Um, and stress is, is a part of what's going on here. So exercising is is a key piece to everything. And I've heard people being anxious going outside. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so hard. Let's just sort of flip the table here because I only have a few minutes left and there are a couple of questions that have been proposed to me that I would like to to hit you with. A second wave of this, um, do you foresee it? Is this what the research is telling? And will it be a stronger, um, a stronger influx of it, if that's the right word? Yeah, nobody really knows because this, is, again, it's novel, never been seen before in human history virus. But what we can do is to refer back to the kind of viruses it is, a coronavirus. And these mm-hmm. things tend to come and go, wax and wane with seasons like, you know, we see with the cold or with the flu. This is just sort of like a really um, bad version of those cyclical, you know, come and go types of, of, of illnesses. 
So we're expecting that it may be back in the winter, like late, late, late fall, early winter, and last week, because all these other infections tend to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. We, we could be surprised. Like SARS kind of burned itself out. Yeah. And so hopefully, you know, uh, this COVID-19, if we're really lucky, will just kind of, you know, um, delete itself out of existence. Um, uh, and, and that would be the best case scenario is that, you know, like we had this terrible experience and then it somehow just um, uh, uh, exits and we may never know what happened. But most likely, I think to be protective, we're thinking that it's likely to stick around. Um, but, and, and come back. So, but coming back is, is really a little bit of a misnomer. These, these viruses never really go away. It's just that the, that the concentration, the density of the virus, the risk goes way down. Now, if we don't actually take good care as a, as a community, as a population, as a city, or in our, in our communities, in our towns, and we are careless and start to do risky behaviors, the thing will um, the cases will increase, and people will get sick, and people will die, and we'll see that right away. And Risky so, meaning um, not social distancing. Uh, yeah, you know. By the way, the the whole idea we're we're, we're trying to get away from the word so, social distancing because we're not really trying to make people antisocial. It's really physical distancing, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So so we want to be social. We we just can't be that close at the moment. Um, this is where masks, wearing masks, everybody wore a mask. You know, like. Uh, I can't give you mine and you can't give me yours. Mm-hmm. And so both people are, are, are safe, uh, safer. Um, I think behavior would be like not wearing masks, uh, not saying um, large gatherings are going to be risky. I know restaurants want to open up. I know that um, people want to gather, you know, um, uh, it's human nature. We want to be together. We're kind of tribal, you know, we're, we're tribal species um, it's very difficult for us to stay isolated. So I totally understand that. But at this moment, until we have more clues on how to treat and how to prevent, we get, if we get a whole bunch of people together, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back and it's going to explode. So that's another kind of coming back is actually if we trigger the resurgence of this, is it going to be worse? You know, I, I, like, is it going to mutate? Fortunately, so far, and it's been, what, four on going on four plus months so far, um, this virus has not mutated to the extent that it's become even more deadly or more dangerous. Like, that would be the worst case scenario. This thing decides to, like, shapeshift in, in, into, like, an even nastier beast. Um, uh, mutation can work two ways. Either it gets worse or it actually gets better. If it mutates to get better, like maybe that's what will make it go away. So, um, but so far it's been pretty stable. Um, the vaccines are all being mostly being developed against <clears throat> a signature on the virus. On you know, it's called Corona virus because it looks like it has a crown, like a king's crown, <clears throat> and the crown, like a king's crown, has spikes on it, and that's how it attaches into our human cells. The virus, like, kind of you know, sticks its spikes in kind of like, like a crampon for ice climbing um, in, into our cells. And so the vaccines are being developed against the spike protein. So far, that's been pretty stable. We hope that it stays stable because that means the vaccines we're developing are likely going to stay working. You know, once we prove that it works, we can keep on using the same one. But, um, you know, I mean, I think that nobody really, really knows if it's going to come back, but we think if it behaves like other viruses, it probably would be, Around all the time in the background, less in the summer, more in the cold weather period. But, you know, those are generalization because, well, Australia is in South America is also suffering and it's summertime there now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's not simply temperature. Um, this is new. Uh, you know, I, 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 I was talking to a colleague of mine yesterday and I was saying that, you know, um, in a way, this is like being invaded by aliens from space, something that we you know, don't really know how to deal with. We're going to throw everything we got, every ounce of ingenuity and technology that, civiliz- that humans have to try to figure this thing out. And, you know, people are pretty smart. I think humankind is pretty smart. So I'm, I'm optimistic that um, this thing is not going to be as bad as we 
as it could be, that we might imagine in our worst case scenario. I'm hopeful that, you know, nature tends to get rid of really bad things because they don't have a host to go to. They kill everything in their path. Um, humans are pretty smart. I think we'll come up with one or more treatments. And the vaccine really is going to save the day because just like polio, smallpox, typhoid, diphtheria, I mean, you know, we sometimes forget those were the illnesses used to wipe out like huge communities all at once. <clears throat> we don't even think twice about them anymore. <clears throat> so when we actually have, a, and because we have a vaccine, uh, and we get them when, when, we're, when we're kids. And so when the day comes where we have a vaccine against this, I think every, like it'll be a gigantic chap closing of this chapter. And, you know, we can act, that's when we can truly get back to our lives. It's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the stress and the exercise. And, you know, we need people like you to continue giving us the clear information because I think that's a lot of the stress that we alluded to is the not knowing. Um, and and I, it's so important to have people like you coming forward all the time with well-researched uh, information that we can sink our teeth into. And I really, really do appreciate you coming on our show today. I can't Thank you enough for taking the time out of such a profoundly busy schedule of yours. So thank you so much. Um, I, I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.